Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a fabulous service department that backs all of it up at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. The door off to Kadri. Kadri looking and shooting, and it hit Manchapani. And here comes Lafreniere. Zadorov gets back. Lafreniere, the pass. Save Markstrom. Lafreniere scores. The game winner, Alexi Lafreniere. Rangers beat the Flames in overtime. Obviously not a Flyers cut. (laughs) All right, with that, we bring in our good friend, one of the best in the business that I will usually mention to my class, pick out people to emulate, a guy like Michael Barkham would be pretty good. Michael, welcome. Great to have you with us. steve What's up, buddy? How are you? Doing, this is what... I, I feel like, Michael, we are witnessing what we may look back on as a golden era of Philadelphia sports based on what we've seen the last six months. Well... First of all, thanks for the kind words. Greatly appreciated, and I feel the same exact way about you, my friend. So thank you. Thank but you. I, thank I, you. I think I think that um, it's funny how things flip on a dime, and in life, and certainly in sports, um, because if, about a year ago, uh, yeah, there were people on the Ben Franklin Bridge that we had to pull off. <laughs> That's and, right. And, you know, the, the Eagles bounced from the playoffs after a, an opening round loss. Uh, the Phillies did not look like they were going anywhere. Uh, uh, Sixers, another first-round exit in the playoffs. The Flyers, forget about it. And and now you look what happens a year later, and that's why you never can tell. You just don't know. So the Sixers look like they might be able to really this time get to the championship round. Uh, the the Phillies, I, I think, are poised to, to make another attack on a National League pennant. And you have Philadelphia Eagles our favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I don't think we, we thought that that would necessarily be the, the situation one year ago. And yet, here we are. So uh, it does it does turn around, and it's a reason to have hope. And, and I think as long as you have hope, you're, you're doing pretty good in life. If you have no hope, we're down in the dumps indeed. But you have hope, that says everything. And I think uh, it, it, at this time, in this town, and the fans of this, these teams, uh, there's every every reason to believe that we will have a parade in a week or so. When they made the A.J. Brown trade, I was taken aback because you don't usually see a trade like that in the NFL. 
when they made that trade, what was your initial thought process of what the Eagles could be the day they made it? I thought, really, the sky's the limit. And, um, yeah, you know, when Andy Reid was coach here, they had obviously excellent teams and made the NFC Championship round five times and made the Super Bowl once. But they really, other than the T.O. year, they really did not have wide receivers that you could bank on when you knew that that, um, they were going to be game breakers and game changers. It it just was not the case. And they had had some fine wide receivers, but they weren't in the league of A.J. Brown or or T.O., obviously. So when, when I heard that news, and you add A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and you've got Quez Watkins who can contribute, and you've got a great pass catching as well as blocking tight end in Dallas Goddard, uh, I thought this this is a recipe for a real powerful offense, and and that's what we've seen. Leadership makes a big difference in any good organization. Nick Sirianni has done a no question has done a terrific job with this, but he said he told everybody last night I had two ten year veterans on the offensive line and two ten year veterans on the defensive line that I could lean on. What has that combination meant? to a coach in that position to have guys like that? It means that everybody's taking their job seriously. There's no one who is missing a beat or, uh, you know, there's there's no stone left unturned. And, and um, you know, between the leaders along the offensive line and the defensive line, and you got a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who, who has a father for a coach, and his brother as well um, play competitive football, you have a guy that can keep his teammates in line, for the lack of a better word, who who is a leader and and who is someone that guys will follow. And and as a coach, that is is so beyond anything you could ever hope for because it makes your job easier in that you can – you can pay attention to the game plan. You can pay more attention to the X's and O's. You don't have to worry about uh, our, our guys hustling as much as they can. Are they getting the most out of practice when your back is turned? Uh, there's there's no sloughing off at all because you've got these guys who have been there before and knows what it takes to win at, at the highest level. Certainly that's the case with, with uh, Lane Johnson and, and Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and you had in Jalen Hurts, you got everything covered, you know? Yeah. And and that is no. valuable to a head coach. There's something that I think goes to any profession, and this is, you know, I'll go back to something I mentioned in my classroom. I always tell them, you have to have the humility to prepare and then the confidence to pull it off. It goes to anything. Jalen Hurts when nobody was watching. And you're a perfect example of that, by the way. All the preparation you put in shows in every show that you do. When nobody was watching Jalen Hurts, he worked. Where did you see the results in that work come to fruition? What was just maybe just a little bit different, a little bit better this year when you watched him, Michael? Well, certainly the the way he commands uh, the offense, his knowledge of the offense, his instinct... You know, you can have great instincts as a natural athlete, which he does and is, Mm -hmm. but when you know how the offense is run uh, and you're a leader, I'll tell you, the the one place where it really came to the surface, Steve, is 
after they after they won the bye week uh, after the regular season, he uh, uh, Nick Sirianni gave him you know Monday off, and he called up Nick Sirianni much to the chagrin of Sirianni's children and Nick's wife, whom by the way is a Missouri <laughs> native, and he and Nick met yep. while he was assistant coach of the Chiefs. Um, yep. He said he said I want you to come in. I I think we should go over film. And so Nick was like, okay. So there is the quarterback calling the head coach saying, uh, I'm not taking the day off. You can't take the day off. Let's go. And, and that has really shown the dedication of Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, but certainly Jalen Hurts. And you, you, you know what kind of command he has of this offense. You're less apt to make a mistake. Um, certainly one of knowledge. Um, and instinct if you know the the offense like the back of your hand. And, and that's what that has shown. This year, the Eagles had 77 sacks in 19 games. That includes the playoffs. 57 came off a four-man rush. In that four-man rush, they acquired Hassan Reddick. You've watched some terrific pass rushers. What makes him special? Well, one is speed. I mean, he just and and his his leverage, his ability to to, to out leverage guys. He might not necessarily be the bigger player in the matchup, but he's so fast and he reads the the line so well, and he knows where he he knows where the gaps are. He knows where the weak spots are in the offensive line, and he just goes and gets them. And then you know you you've got um, uh, you've got other guys that the offensive line needs to, to worry about, like Brandon Graham, like uh, Sweat, like, uh, um, you know, uh, who's the other guy? Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and, oh, Fletcher Cox. Hargrave. Uh, Fletcher Cox, and, Hargrave, yeah. yep. Yeah, and and, and um, so then you and you throw in and uh, and Sue and Linval Joseph, and, and, and all of a sudden they're coming at you from all sides. And I think that, that he has... His line mates are taking a lot of the pressure off of him and allowing him to just one-on-one beat his his guy. And he gets to the quarter. He's so fast and he's so strong. Um, and I love the fact that he's from here. He knows what it means uh, yeah. to play in Philadelphia. Grew up in Camden. Went to Temple. That's a you know that's a heck of a weight on an athlete's shoulders, and there are many athletes that can't handle it. Well, uh, certainly from if you're from Chicago, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, yep. those are sports towns, and you and you come back to play at home, you better be able to do it. And and he has shown that he can. So yeah, I I would say first and foremost, it's his speed. A uh, quick note to Kyle Shanahan, considered to be an offensive genius. And, and believe me, and I respect him tremendously. I wouldn't have used a tight end on him. All right, so right, one on one. right, right. Same here, same here. Like, yeah, you do know seven's good, right? I'm, I'm just asking for a friend. Yeah, asking for a friend. Maybe bring someone over. You know, have a little party. You're the best man. I always Back love talking you. to you. Thanks so much, Michael. Appreciate you. So do I. Thanks, Steve. Anytime. Anytime. The great Michael Barkan joining us from Philadelphia. Now, have we done enough Eagles praise for one day for you just to placate (laughs) you enough to keep you calm? 
I've got all these doctor's orders here that were faxed over to me. I've been reading them. I'm like, okay, all right, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. You know, I love the kid. Uh, I saw. I, I'm just trying to help. You have fully lived to that obligation. Okay, wait till the last half hour. No. <laughs> hey, look, every ounce of praise that I have mentioned in these interviews. I mean, with you, I kid around. I mean, I'm, I hope everyone knows I'm kidding around with them. I hope they know that. Every once in a while, we get somebody who takes it seriously. Can't believe how he treats like just calm down. It's a show, okay? <laughs> but when you get to the interviews, then you, then you get into the nuts and bolts and get serious about it. I, the Eagles have been not just good; they have been a legitimately great team. They are, I think that. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts, who's terrific, the best player is Patrick Mahomes. But does the best player have enough other players around him to make this happen? Jalen Hurts is a high-level player who, if you were to argue, is the best player. I, I would listen to your arguments and go, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Right? I think it's more about personal preference than anything else. But he's surrounded with... I mean, the Eagles' receivers are better. Um, the Eagles' offensive line is better. Uh, the Eagles' defensive front and the Kansas City defensive front actually are pretty close. Because, I mean, let's face it, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are, are, are pretty good. I mean, if you don't recognize they're pretty good, then, like, you know, you are, you know, wearing green glasses. They're good. Um but the Eagles' secondary is better. It's 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 interesting in terms of the matchup. Now you got to stay away from turnovers. Got to get good field position. Um, it's it's so it, the Eagles' game with San Francisco is such a difficult read. I mean, it's that that is as difficult a read as I've had on how well a team played in a long time. I can't tell you how well they played in that game. I know you think they they killed them and crushed them and the whole thing. No offense, but that game was weird. I mean, that, I, I kind of walked out of there like, eh, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I really don't. I mean, I think it's a great confidence builder for them, but the other team didn't legitimately did not have a quarterback on the field in the second half of the game. That's what's so strange about it. I'm not sure where they are going into the game. I think they're a great team. I just, off that game, I'm like, kind of sat back and went, geez, I don't really know how well they played in that game. I know you think they played, I know you think they crushed them, right? I think they they dominated in some aspects, but not all per se. Because I, I did have that weird kind of like it still it was, didn't, it feel was, like it was, it it didn't feel like thirty one. It didn't feel like thirty one seven. Yeah, it was it was, it was one of the oddest championship games I've I ever mean, seen. I mean, because the first touchdown doesn't count. There was a fourth down play. That play doesn't count. Right. So that so that one's out in terms of like you know the score. I mean, I know it counts, but like okay, all right. 
That one shouldn't have counted. Yeah, if you make the right call, uh, it's a turnover right. on downs. San Francisco right. gets good field position. That's a possible the second, the second, the four-to-seven-point s- swing. The second, the second touchdown, they got the three big penalties. They scored. They got it done. The third one, okay, you didn't force the turnover. It bounced off his face mask, and the drive was 20 yards. And then in the second half, they have no quarterback, and you outscored them 10 nothing. <laughs> they have no quarterback. I don't think I've watched a game in a long time where there was no quarterback. Have you? Not on that stage. No, neither have I. Like, I mean, like, legitimately, they have nobody. What do you? It, it was really weird. And look, and the Eagles did what they had to. The Eagles made no mistakes, no turnovers. Field position, they took care of business. When they had the one long field, they got backed up. Sanford, you know, they boom, 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 popped right out of there, got out of there. The Eagles were definitely the better team. There's no getting around it. But that game was so weird. That's one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. I sat back and went, I don't get what I'm watching here. Wow. I mean, now, the Eagles have nothing to do with any of that. Zero. They're just expected to go out and play their game, win the game, the whole thing. And they did. They won the game. And in the second half, I'll bet the Eagles were not very daring in the second half because they knew they didn't have to be. Right? How daring do you have to be when the other team has nobody at quarterback? I think, if I recall, didn't McCaffrey line up in a... Yeah, he did that for a handful of plays, but it was it was really just to try to get people the ball. But yeah, yeah, I mean they're like running handoffs to to um, Kittle, handoffs to Debo. They're trying to get their playmakers the ball because they can't throw it to them. It's a throwing league. (laughs) I mean that game was weird. Wow, very strange. But you know what? Philadelphia has nothing to do with that. They went out, and guess what? They won the game. By the way, Bobby Beathard passed away, uh, the former general manager of Washington, who brilliantly put together all those great teams over the years, and, yes, was a guest on this show, as a matter of fact. Did you know that? This is before you came on board. I did not know that. Wow. All right. Yeah, yeah, we had Bobby Beathard on this show, and he was great. Talking with him about how things are put together, why it's put together. He was terrific. Just terrific. Oh, boy. Well, did you realize that the last active draft pick in the history of the Montreal Expos has retired? I did not. Do you know who that is? No. Who's drafted as a catcher? Tom Brady. I can honestly say I did not know that. <laughs> they say that um, what's what's the number in terms of betting? How much money is going to be bet? Um, they say 50 million people are going to place bets, right? Yeah. 50 million. Wow. 
Yeah, that's we're gonna do what prop bets. Yeah, like like we did last year. We'll yeah. we'll do we'll do some of the prop bets for fun just to. Yeah, I mean it's all mix for it fun up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we'll do some of that cause only only for the fun of it. Uh, everyone knows that uh, <laughs> that your your humble correspondent here has never bet on anything. His lab too cheap. Yeah, <laughs> same here. I've never gambled a dime in my life. We'll do some actual prop bets, but I'm going to mix it up and make up a couple ones too, like I normally do. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, Wrigley Field's going to get a game this year. Northwestern is going to play a game on. November 4th at Wrigley Field. Uh, and I think is it Iowa they're playing? Yeah, it's Iowa. They're going to play at Wrigley Field. and They've had trouble there at Wrigley Field. One year they had trouble with the end zones and so they had to get once you got to the 50 yard line they had to turn around and go the other way it's like eh, okay so but they're going to play at Wrigley Field and there's some talk that Penn State basketball the next Palestra game there could be another Palestra game next season and a candidate this is a candidate is Michigan remember who the assistant coach is for Michigan Phil Martelli now, that's a candidate. I'm saying they're going to do it. It's something that is, is being considered. How about that? All right, we'll take a break. We will come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. You're on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15, almost warp online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a great service department. That backs it all up with fabulous technicians. In fact, they need more technicians than ever. They get so much business. Uh, okay, James Franklin did meet with the media today. We got a couple of comments from that, so let's listen in. 
I think you're doing this part really well. I'm impressed. James, you with respect to-, to leadership, you're so young at quarterback. How do you see that developing at that position? And do you enter winter workouts with a specific pecking order, or is there a clean slate from last season? Across the board, we we would say that there is a, a, a clean slate to a degree. Uh, that there's going to be competition kind of across the board that all these at all these positions. But as you know, we're we're going to have to put somebody out there first, um, based on how the season ended and 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 Drew's role uh, last year. Then that would be him. Um, but we're going to need both of those guys, specifically Prabula and Alar, It's not only competing, but also taking on a significant leadership role. Some of the focus. You know, of the off season is leadership, and really identifying leadership uh, as a staff and players as well. I thought our leadership last year was as good as we've had my 12 years as a head coach. We got to identify who those guys are. They need to have strong voices. We need to be aligned with the players, and the players aligned from a leadership standpoint with the coaching staff. Coach, what went into your decision to make a change at receivers coach, and then what made you make the choice you ultimately did when it was time to make that new hire? Yeah, you know, I, as you guys know, I try to share as much as I possibly can with you guys that, that I think is, is appropriate. I don't necessarily think that um, is appropriate in this, in this setting. But I will tell you, you know, our excitement for, for Marcus Hagens, um, you know, is really high. You know, um, if you look at his resume, and to be honest with you, very similar in how Coach Poindexter is, 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 people feel about, you know, Coach Poindexter. It just became obvious that this was the guy that, that we needed to bring into our room, and so far, so good. Yeah, so let's get to the leadership part of it, because that's something I could tell by going to the winter workouts last year. That stuck out to me so much and then continued into the spring. And it's something I look for in the winter workouts. And I'll I'll go to a couple of them. I was kidding around. A couple of players asked me today whether I was going to go to the one on Thursday. I said, let's see. I got a game at 830. I'll be done at about 11. Got to do the update show, 1130, quarter 12. Uh, No. No, senor. No, senor. No, senor. But next week, next week's a little different. Next week, yes. Uh, I'll try and get to one next week and get to another one in the final week. And one of, I'm not just looking at who's doing what. Uh, you know, I'm looking to see who's not participating because of circumstances, at the you know present circumstances. Uh, and then I look to see who the leaders are. And last year with Sean Clifford, Juice Scruggs. P.J. Mustafer, Jair Brown. Man, they had leadership all over the place on that football team. I mean, everywhere. Man, your quarterback, your center. Okay? And strange a tight end. Uh, Mustafer on the defensive line. Jair Brown in the secondary. You know, not only is he making secondary calls back there, but he is the undisputed leader, and you could just see in a practice how a leader gets gets a group together away from the coaches and says, okay, look, we're not doing things right, let's go. Right, we need to turn things around. I'm going to start it, and you guys are going to follow my lead. 
And that's you know, and I saw that. That's what they'll need now. As I'm watching this, I'm also watching during the course of a season as to who the underclass leaders are. Who then, you know, do, do I think has a chance to be a leader? And I do look at that. Well, and do Drew Aller and Bo Perbula have leadership qualities? No question. And that position, it, it's an automatic there. That's an automatic. You, that's a position where you're going to need leadership to step up. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are leaders, right? On that offensive front, right? A guy like Hunter Norzad is a leader through performance. So Zolo. And Caden Wallace is another guy I look at. Now, defensively, Adisa Isaac, I look at him right away. And I think here's a guy, I think between Adisa and Chop, here's a guy that you wouldn't have said this two years ago, but I think has a chance to be, and that is Akeem Beeman. And then I look at the linebackers. I mean, Elsden and Kobe King can be leaders, no doubt, but so is Curtis Jacobs. And then in the secondary, in the secondary, Kalen King can be a leader. Johnny Dixon can be a leader. Keaton Ellis can be a leader. I think Jalen Reed has some leadership qualities. So you've got some guys to draw from that now will have to step up. Now, part of it is securing your spot as a starter. Once you take care of your spot, you can then take care of other spots. But you look for that. at It's starting now. It's not something you can sit there in August and go, okay, I need some leaders. It has to start now. This is a pivotal month for those leadership qualities to establish themselves in the early morning winter workouts. You're at 6 a.m., Everybody's like, okay, I got to get going. Who's the one that says, hey, look, I'm going to win as many reps as possible. And guess what? I'm going to force the rest of you to do to win as many as possible, too. That's where you start to see that. And that will be an important element on this team, and it was a critical element. That's why it's one of the reasons I felt so good about last year's team. I felt so good about last year's team all year because I knew they had leaders. I knew PJ would lead. I knew Jair would lead. I knew Sean would lead. I knew Scruggs would lead. I knew Brenton Strange would lead. You can't put a price on that. I mean, Chris Stahl? Chris Stahl was a leader. Doesn't matter. He's a long snapper. Long snappers can lead, because guess what? Guess what? What you have to have as a leader: universal respect. Stall a universal respect. Now he has to be replaced, but Tyler Dzanski will be the guy that I will look at to be the guy to step into stall spot. And Tyler's going to be really good at it. He will be really good at it. I was impressed by what I saw from him last year. So, but that's all part of it. Then the part about Marcus Hagens, you know, James isn't going to get into the reasons he made any moves, but he talked about the reasons he brought him in, and it all fits. You know, Marcus Hagens played a game at Beaver Stadium, right? 
It did not come up in today's press conference, but he did. Yes, I, I remember you mentioning. Yes. Yeah, he did not play quarterback in that game. You know what he did in that game? He returned punts. He was a punt returner, so he's played in there. Now, uh, I thought the part of the press conference where he handled himself so well today was when they brought up the three Virginia players who were killed. And he was asked about, you know, a fresh start here. And he said, ah, he says, said, it's not, he says, it's not a fresh start. He says, he says, those are three families that will never get a fresh start. People forget, I think, um, because he was hired from there about the shooting incident when they were on the bus with the football players. How hard that must have been to go through. And he's right. Those are three families, three sets of families, three sets of friends. I mean... People are not replaceable in life. Yeah, you drop your iPhone, you may be unhappy about it. It may be damaged beyond repair, but you can go over to the store or the Apple store or wherever it may be. And you may not want to pony up the money, but you can replace it. Person? All of you out there are irreplaceable. It's only one you. And those three three lives were senselessly and needlessly cut down. And here's a guy, Marcus Hagens, that was close to it, as close as you could be to it. So, yeah, he's been through a lot. And his wife, by the way, is also a breast cancer survivor. So he has had to deal a lot, deal with a lot during the course of his career, lifetime, and so forth. His family, by the way, will join him here in State College this summer. The kids have, you know, they're going to keep the kids in school down in Charlottesville. And then he'll be, then I mean, he'll be here. His family won't get here until the uh, school year is over with. But, yeah, his wife's a breast cancer survivor. And, of course, the living hell all of them went through at Virginia with the shootings. Late last year. Things can be replaced. People can't. We need to treasure each other. We need to treasure each other. Because there's only one you. All right, we'll wrap it up in a moment. And because I just made that statement, I'm, um, I'll try to make sure that I'm really nice to Matt in the last. You, sir, are my hero. <laughs> I'm always nice to you. What are you talking about? No answer. Maybe that's not true.
You are, yeah. Sometimes I bring it upon myself. No, it's all part of the show. The difference between reality and a show, it's just part of the show. Well, it's like, it's, you know, we always have to remember there's, you know, there's information which I think is critical, it's important, there's perspective which is important and so forth, but there's also, you know, you're not going to sit here for two hours and not have some fun. Jeez. Gotta have some fun. Gotta have some laughs about it. Hey, you see that uh, the Labor Secretary, Marty Walsh, is leaving his job? He is going to become the head of the National Hockey League Players Association, replacing Don Fear. All right. No, Walsh is a, I mean, Walsh is a huge hockey fan. Walsh, former mayor of Boston, a longtime season ticket holder of the Bruins. But he is going to become the uh, NHLPA's head, uh, replacing Don Fear. And Don Fear did a great job, by the way. Uh, he did a great uh, just like he did with baseball, um, for the most part, did really well. Um, they had peaceful transitions of power. Track record not perfect. I mean, the... Uh, the union ceded some critical ground in each set of the CBA negotiations. Uh, the Cal Beach situation with the Blackhawks could have done better there, but he also brought stability for the last 12 years. Um, and Walsh is going to bring a lot into that role, and uh, the president's now looking for a new labor secretary because the labor secretary is going to go into something he is passionate about. Hockey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. We will uh, come back, wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. And, and get your word in on that, too, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, if mom is doing the coin toss, we're going to have to coach her up a little bit. I don't I think I've ever seen her flip a coin, but uh, it was an incredible moment, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of mom, man, you know, I know mom's here, and I've seen mom downstairs, and she's been all over the place doing a lot of a lot of great media. And just like mom, when she knows her boys had a big battle, she comes bearing gifts. Come on in here, mom. Come on in here, mom. Mom Donna is joining us. Is she, mom? Mom, you're bringing in these cookies. You've probably been cooking these cookies forever for these guys. That's what got them big and ready for the, for the NFL. But, Mom, talk to me about this, about this moment being here, watching your boys on both sides. Do you have a plan, or, or do you have a plan for the guy that wins, and what kind of plan for you, do you have for the guy that comes up a little short? Well, the plan is, is to scream really loud every time somebody has a ball. <laughs> Every time somebody has the ball, because both of the boys are on offense. That's all you know, and that's all you care. Mom, how, 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 how has this experience been, though, to see both of your boys here? You know they worked so hard. <laughs> it's just amazing that they've been able to both get to this point in their careers and to both enjoy this Super Bowl together. It's just amazing. What a proud moment for her to have this. Imagine being, imagine being a parent in that uh, situation. Yeah, you know, who knows how many times she drove 
each one of them someplace growing up to make sure that she did her part to help them get to where they are today. And you know what? Uh, she's going to get to attend at some point during her lifetime two Hall of Fame ceremonies. They're both going. I mean, they're both going to go. She really needs to th- to do the coin toss for the game on Sunday. <laughs> I really want to see it happen. And I'm starting to think it actually might happen. Now that's been talked about on Media Day, I I, I think there's a decent chance of it happening. I, you know, that'd be nice. I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I don't care who tosses the coin. I just want to know who gets the ball first. No offense. (laughs) So I'm not into all this other fluff stuff. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I mean... You know, I'm sitting here at the Rose Bowl, and, you know, and Gabby Giffords is going to toss the coin. I mean, like, okay, that's fine. It's like, yeah, I just want to know who gets the ball first. Okay? <laughs> I mean, normally I wouldn't care, but I mean, th- this is this is as good as it gets. I mean, how epic uh, would that be? I mean, they should have had Jack Harbaugh toss the uh, coin at the Superdome then. It should have been talked about then, yeah. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, God, it doesn't matter. Come on. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, by the way, has not made his decision yet. He is going to attend a darkness retreat. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Said he plans to get through this week and then the retreat, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. The darkness retreat will isolate him in complete darkness for four nights where he will contemplate all things about his future. This can only mean one thing. His goal is to make a decision that he feels is in the highest interest of his personal happiness. (laughs) That's a quote. This can only mean one thing. He's going to be a New York Jet. But if I'm the Jets, I don't do this. I don't either, but we're talking about he, the Jets. Jets, darkness, a, he, it just seems to fit. He has a three-year, $150.8 million contract. So in 2023, his base salary would be $1.16 million with a signing bonus of $58,300,000. He carries with him a cap hit of 31.6 and a dead cap value of 99.8. It'd be stupid, but don't ever count out the Jets from making a stupid decision. You drafted Jalen Rager. All right. Um, 